Hello, welcome back to the Masonic Roundtable, a weekly program where Masons from around the world get together to talk about Masonic news and opinions in a friendly and social manner. As a reminder, the thoughts and opinions expressed here are solely the opinions of the participants and do not represent any Grand Lodge statements or positions. Make sure you keep your conversations open for the public and on the level. Let's see, to interact with us, we love chatting with you every Thursday night live at 9.30 Eastern and adjust for your time zone. Um, love seeing you on Facebook, love seeing you on YouTube, love seeing you anytime, anywhere that you are. So even if you miss us, go check the chat replays both uh, on both platforms and listen along in your car as you drive uh, the next day. So uh, let's see, you know me, my name is John Ruark. I'm a past master of the Patriot Lodge number 1957 in Fairfax, Virginia, and I'm happy to be here. You know who else is happy to be here? Joe Martinez. Look at this smug guy. Oh, yeah. No, I was making faces by I, I can see you in yeah. the Q screen. Hello, Joe Martinez, by myself this week. No Don McAndrews. Um, yeah, which is a bummer. I love that. That we know of. Uh, yes, he could be here. But uh, yeah, Joe Martinez, uh, current master of Manassa Lodge, number 182. Uh, proud member of Benjamin B. French Lodge, number 15, in the Grand Lodge of D.C. And a member of many other things. And uh, yeah, super jazzed to talk about education tonight. Woo! Next up, Robert Johnson. Hey, Robert. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, Robert Johnson, past master, Waukegan Lodge number 78, current sitting secretary at Space Novum Lodge 1183 in Libertyville, Illinois, the premier education lodge in the state of Illinois, and um, the host of the Wednesday New Podcast. Thanks. Nice. And last but not least, the one, the only, Jason Richards. I thought you were about to say the one, the only. And I I'm did. Like, He's I not did here say tonight. That. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> Jason Richards here. Yeah, past master of vacation lodge number 16 in Clifton, Virginia, member of the Colonial Lodge number 1821 in Washington, D.C., um, which thankfully hasn't has, had its uh, charter revoked yet. Um, and a uh, <laughs> member of Lafayette Lodge number 79 in Zanesville, Ohio. Yet. Yet. All right. So full house. Good to see everyone so much, tonight. So much zing tonight. Ooh. I know. He's a little spicy. Spicy, Jason. It's going to be spicy. Yeah, you're zingy. Okay, that's a second referred to me with a wand reference. Exactly. <laughs> Go do some artwork. So anyway, let's see. Before I forget. Draw you a stick figure. Draw me as a stick figure. Of a middle finger. Draw me like your, your French women. Okay, let's uh, thank the patrons because those guys are awesome. Um, if you want to support the show for many years to come, head over to patreon.com slash the Masonic Roundtable and uh, chip in a few bucks to help uh, get Jason some art classes. Mm, that, that's not going to help. That's, and that's more zingy content. And, yes. and more zing, less mm. tang. Got it. Okay. All right. Uh, Jason, Ricket. where are we going to be in a few weeks? down south somewhere yes no. oh yes <laughs> no, next month next month, not this month. <laughs> we are going down to greensboro north carolina for masonic on south y'all we are super excited to be uh going down there and hanging out with brother matt parker and brethren all across the southern east coast it's going to be a lot of fun it's going to be october 15th that saturday uh, there's going to be fun, some fun stuff happening friday night uh that you will not want to miss uh we can't announce it yet but maybe next week we'll uh we'll see but uh yeah there's going to be some really great speakers uh brother uh jim cole uh, from the Scottish Rite Southern Jurisdiction is going to be down there. That's going to be and, great. Yeah, and uh, I'm unveiling a brand new presentation I've never done before, so it's, there's going to be a lot of really, really good stuff. It's going to be a lot of fun. Whereas I'm doing the same crap I've done for the last three years. <sighs> um, yeah, just probably like eight times a month. So, yeah. Yes, but like eight, you... Eight times a month? You come out of the... Eight times a month. You come out of the bathroom with a new presentation. Yes. Like, yeah. That's good, though. I I, um, I have to say that this is like, it, when I talk about it on Whence Came You, what I have been really promoting here is that uh, there's 
a couple things that are really exciting and it's not necessarily three of the guys on this show it's actually jason and this new presentation that i'm really excited about because you guys know if you've seen his uh presentation on the noah kite myths and the flood myths it expands it's living it's like solid history you don't have to worry about you know baloney stuff like sneaking its way in and if there is something like that he lets you know and so we're getting a brand new presentation there and then the other two things that i'm really excited about of course is pd newman and sean bradshaw and then the cherry on top of the sunday is uh our uh uh jim cole so i mean it's like, are you kidding me? Plus, you get to have dinner with Jim Cole and all these guys. It's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. And Matt Park and, and Sean Bradshaw. He's pretty. Uh, he is. Yeah, Sean is enthralling speaker. Sean is yeah. dope. I, he came out here to do the Middle Chamber program with uh, Ben Wallace and a couple of the guys. And uh, Sean is fantastic. So good times, good times. Looking forward to it. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna yeah. be fun. All right, so. Let's switch over to today's topic, which is uh, Pecha Kucha. That's right. Say that three times fast. This was, this was a topic that I wanted to, uh, to go into. Um, starting at the beginning, right? So we are all Masonic education fanboys, right? We're all about how can we present new information in Lodge, get people thinking, do it creatively, do it fun, do infotainment, mix it up a little bit. So Lodge... Exactly. Just like that. Lodge education is important. Um, but as much as I, you know, some of my favorite presentations have gone on for more than an hour. It's not everyone's cup of tea. I get that. Right. So we have to find that balance between the, the lecture style format and something that can engage us and then let the worshipful master regain control of his, his meeting. Right. So, that's that's the the goal here is where we're trying to find a format that lets masonic education thrive and um is short enough to get people's attention span kind of keep it in that ted talk kind of under 18 minutes kind of format so that you you get in you get out you get educated and most importantly right you're not filling up the whole evening you know for you know, uh, a lecture. And so the beauty of this is that anyone can do it and that it's not something that you need to be a, um, be on the Masonic circuit and start going around flying and giving presentations. This is something that anyone can do. And that's what we're going to show you tonight. We've put together, uh, four different presentations using this, this format that I'll describe here in a second that lets us, um, give Masonic education, um, in a little bit different way than we're probably used to. If I may, the first time I had heard of this uh, was we were at the Midwest Conference of Masonic Education. Uh, I think it was back in 2017, maybe 2018. And uh, Brother Chad Kopensky, who at the time was the Grand Lodge educator for the the, uh, Grand Jurisdiction of Ohio, was there giving his report. And one of the things he did was he did this kind of Pachacucha idea. And uh, again, I'll let you explain it. But the whole thing was so incredible to me because I thought, wow. Um, it's a short time span. Mm-hmm. Um, it falls within the parameters of what we might consider uh, the modern age or the modern way of absorbing, right? Mm-hmm. Like YouTube length, TikTok mm-hmm. length, right? Mm-hmm. These kinds of things. And so uh, what made it unique is that, as you said, anybody can do this right? because telling a story. Bingo. And if you know your story, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. And this and your Pechacucha could end up being the thing that you travel around doing. That's true. That's exactly right. I mean, if you do it well and you, you tell you engage people, then you can jump right in. So let's talk about what is this Pechacucha. So that's P-E-C-H-A-K-U-C-H-A. I believe it's Japanese. Um, and it's a storytelling format where basically, easy peasy, 20 slides, 20 seconds per slide. That's it. That's all you need to know. It's 20, or, or people may say it's 20 by 20. There's other formats like 30 by 30, which means 30 slides for 30 seconds each slide. But if you do the math, if you add it all up, a 20 by 20 is actually 6 minutes and 40 seconds total. Any worshipful master can give up 6 minutes and 40 seconds. So how do you guarantee that people will stay on topic? 
right? You're, you're filling up 20 slides. I know I could talk about anything. 20 slides I could fill up for an hour long presentation. How do you prevent that from happening? Jason, how do you prevent someone from talking for an hour? For Don't 20 slides? You yes. make sure they set their slides to automatically advance every 20 seconds. Bing, bingo. So in most tools, whether you use Google Slides or Google uh, or Microsoft PowerPoint or Apple Keynote, you can set the transition time to uh, have a specific Except you can't do 20 seconds on Google Slides. I have a moment. Yes, Uh, yes, I have an interruption there. Nobody uses Google Slides? Um, Uh, I beg to differ, but... Sorry, you're breaking up, Joe. Says the only person here... We've lost you. Like stuck on android i love you guys i just have to say i do throw a ton of things into google slides because everywhere has that has an internet connection you can get i can hop Mm -hmm. in google slides yep i mean it is it's like my it's just my like the backup plan always Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, I so mean, that's the Android it's the, in a uh, nutshell. It's, it's the ugly lady friend. It's not enough your of your yeah. compensation yeah. for things that you don't have. Yes, like, let's get back on topic here. So, um, so what you do is you, if you're set to present, you can just ask the worshipful master, "Hey, I just need exactly six minutes and forty seconds for my presentation." Right? What's he going to say? He can't say no to that. I mean, that's. That's that's uh, almost two commercial breaks here in the U.S. So uh, what you do is you set and yourself up. And then you up. take 20 minutes just to set up the technology. And then, yes, uh, could you dim uh, the yeah, lights? Borrow from a brother down and, the road. Uh, could you, I, the screen is crooked. and the, No, obviously, you're going to have to test the tech before you go. So, you know, there's there's devil in the details. But, um, but the actual presentation, the actual content will only be six minutes and 40 seconds. Um, some of the astute... Uh, people I mean, that's about the amount of content you get in a standard lodge meeting. You, well, that's true. That's the maximum amount that you'll actually get out of a standard lodge meeting. Now, if we could set the the minutes and the bills and the calendar events it, to six minutes. And introductions to six minutes and 40 seconds. Introductions. Oh, how great would that be? my favorite part of <laughs> yeah you just set up 20 slides and you do like you know deos grand lodge officers worshipful masters each one's a slide and you only get 20 seconds that would be killer i would like that 20 seconds is a long time for some people be quiet for 20 seconds it's a long time it's awkward. i physically cannot joe can't that. and joe, joe has to sit on his hands too because he can't talk <laughs> look he's got his rings on folks <laughs> Which, as as uh, if again, if you're listening to this, we apologize because there will be there will be visuals. So this is like the third week in a row we're we're doing the the whole YouTube shebang. So, um, get on YouTube. Yeah, it's too get easy. on YouTube. If you're sitting in traffic, just put it on. Just put fire on up phone. YouTube. Yeah. We do not endorse. The Masonic Roundtable is the Masonic Roundtable is not to be held liable for any accidents, uh, injury, maimment, or death that may occur by watching YouTube while Jason, driving. Jason's our legal um, expertise. Of, of Expert. counsel. Of yes. counsel. That's the word I was looking for. Well, since since Nick left, you know, somebody yes. had to pick up the slack. <laughs> Much more handsome, too. So anyway, uh, so tonight we are going to... Nick or me? We're going to present four individual oh. topics that... Um, we've all put together and thrown together. And it, what we're going to do is we're going to do this live. And that's the beauty of this thing. I have not practiced this in front of anyone. This is a brand new presentation. And we're just going to show you how easy or some of the, some of the fun things that might happen if you're uh, still talking and the slide moves. You've got you've to adjust your, your flow. That's the beauty of this thing. But we'll show you how fun it is, uh, what to do, what not to do, um, and anything else that, that goes along with that. And the goal is that you will take this as one approach to take this to your lodge. Uh, and, the, and the best part is too is you can do this back to back. You can have two or three presentations in one night. Mm-hmm. Right? So you don't need to worry about uh, you know, just grabbing six minutes and 40 seconds. You can do two or three presentations in one night. It's like a mini digital symposium. Right, right. And that's where this idea came from, right? It came from these unconferences where people have 
kind of got tired of this lecture hall kind of format and wanted something that was was mixing it up lightning talks and mixers and then they came up with this format as well so uh without further ado i think we'll we'll pick one to start so any volunteers to to lead the way to be first i'll do it just because i Woo! cheated you cheated is it the same picture I 20 cheated. times okay no okay good all right so uh joe yeah it's gonna be our, my, our tech guy i'm setting my brain to learn switch on all right stand by and so again this is the fun part of getting set up and we'll there we go joe's got the slides up and go good evening everybody thanks so much for tuning in to the masonic roundtable i'm excited to uh present to you tonight a a brand new presentation which is you know an introspective look back at some amazing Masonic moments in, in my life here. You have in, in 2011, as we walk through a decade of Masonic moments, this is actually my EA degree. Uh, first time in the lodge, you know, degree meeting. John's back there, uh, David Hill, my mentor is there. I am also hopped up on uh, on painkillers because my back is broken in that picture. Moving forward to 2012, here we are at the Patriot Lodge Consecration. This is my first public Masonic event ever. ever. So here with John and David Hill and our good friend Mark, um, just learning what it is to, to consecrate a new lodge. Fast forwarding into March of 2012, uh, I've got my Master Mason's degree. Really, really cool. Something that uh, I have been super proud of for the past 10 years. Uh, down on the right, I've got my name badge and my grandfather-in-law's Masonic ring. It was a gift from my uncle. In 2013, made my first visit to Prince Hall and I was hooked ever since. So uh, really, really great guys from uh, uh, from uh, Matt Botts's old lodge. And uh, I'm blanking on the name right now, but they're, they're absolutely amazing. Later on in 2013, had my first trip to the House of the Temple. This is the House of the Temple Library, where we're getting ready to raise my, my good friend, J.R. McDonald. And, uh, you know, here's uh, John and I, uh, which has been the subject of some controversy and jokes over the past years on uh, on the way we're standing. In 2014, we met our first Robert Johnson in person and uh, broadcast EMR from yeah from my dining room, and so had a blast. You got the skull there in front of John, and uh, remember to this day the first thing that Robert said to me was, "Hey, you're tall." Um, Later on in 2014, had my fifth wedding anniversary with my wife. We went over to England and Italy and was able to uh, take a look at the Grand Lodge of England. And uh, unfortunately, couldn't go in any of the lodge rooms like Joe could, but had a good time. Moving over to 2015, I had my first burn supper night up in Pennsylvania. I uh, had a fantastic time uh, with John and, and a couple other folks from Pennsylvania. Uh, Paul was up there with us and just had a, a great time with an ode to a haggis and just spending time uh, with, with brothers. 2015, John and I went up to Pennsylvania to the Masonic Restoration Foundation Symposium. This is the first time we met good friend and brother uh, Scott Springer. Scott Springer, goodness gracious. <laughs> Scott Sherman. And uh, had a had a blast up there. Got to meet some good friends and brothers like Chris Chris Busby and Ryan Flynn and others. Um, 2016. This is the first time the five original hosts actually got together uh, for the Pennsylvania Academy of Masonic Knowledge. And um, Travis Simpkins surprised us all in October of that same year with by doing. Uh, chalk charcoal and clay portraits of all of us uh late 2016 this is actually the first picture i that had taken after i was elected uh master of the lodge for the ensuing year so um jim love over on the left is excited to get out and uh i i had no idea what i was in for 
So uh, later in 2016 uh, was actually installed as as master. Uh, my parents surprised me with the actual uh, picture from Travis Simpkins, and then have a picture with with my wife and the photo bomb by good friend and brother uh, Matt Botts. You know, my family's always been very supportive, and thank them for that. In 2017, we had 300. Which is the first TMRCon we uh, first and only TMRCon we we ever did, and so this is the uh, the thanks and the ending conversation after the uh, the banquet, and uh, right before uh, Mark Tabard ended up getting giving getting up and giving us the keynote. Here in 2017, this is actually at a dinner uh, in Grand Lodge. This is one of the first times I really got to spend time with Joe, kind of in a in a smaller group. Um, outside of like seeing him at Lodge, and this is where I really started building a friendship with uh, with Joe and Donnie and, and a couple other folks. Uh, 2018, we've got brother Brad Drew, uh, who took us around the Ark experience. You know, the same Ark experience that sued because of flood damage um, in Kentucky. And so mm -hmm. Robert was kind enough to Photoshop dinosaurs into it. But later on that year, I went to my first Masonicon up in Outerboro, Massachusetts and had an absolute blast. Got to meet all sorts of folks, met Nicholas Lane and Travis and Janet Simpkins and folks from the Freemason podcast and just, you know, had an absolute blast. Forwarding to 2020, pandemic, everything shuts down. But here, um, Robert and I are with uh, Mark St. Sir and our uh, good friend, um, <clears throat> Mike Jarzebeck uh, from Attleboro, um, just keeping masonry alive through podcasting. 2021, we got to see this, uh, this handsome baldy get uh, elected and installed as master of his lodge. And so another time just, you know, spending great time with these, these people who have become my best friends over the past 10 years, 2022, uh, more craziness afoot with the four of us, uh, getting goaded into curling Woo! and so as yes. yeah as you can see like it's this this has kind of just been a a history of the relationship i've had with some of my closest brothers on the planet and uh just it's been a really cool walk down memory lane boom Blam. dude that was going fast i gotta say how did that feel jason it was it was too fast um <laughs> that was probably because I didn't have a script and I was just like, these are the moments in time I want to talk about. And I want to weave in an arc about growing friendships. And, uh, that was literally like the thought I gave to the voice track as I was finishing the slideshow up like seven minutes before we were supposed to go on air. <laughs> I have to say, though, this is the idea, though. Like, with Pecha Kucha, you don't necessarily need a script. The picture right. gives you, the subject matter expert, everything you need. Because it's like, yes, you can get somebody who, you know, like, there's this woman who I used to work with, and her name is Susan. And she knew everything there was to know about enterprise contracting in the medical industry. And literally, her presentations, no notes, Right. Just pictures. And she was like, what? Just like like exploding with knowledge. And I thought to myself, when, I mean, in fact, one of my reviews, they said, where do you see yourself in 10 years? And I said, I, I hope to know and be able to speak on anything, you know, with my company as well as Susan can. I mean, she was brilliant. And the idea here is that anything you put together, because these are your stories, you are the expert, as, as uh, Chad once told me. This this opens it up for anybody to be the friggin' man, right? Or the lady, whatever you want to say. But like the shy guy at Lodge, you got a story, man. You can talk you for six minutes. On your, I know you got a story on your phone with, with 20 pictures on your phone that you can tell a story about. And I, you know, I like and your what, brother, uh, the uh, idea that your brothers love you and want to hear it. There you go. Boom. And, uh, and so this is to... honestly. Go ahead. Not to talk over anyone, but uh, no, you kind of hit the nail on the head when you were talking before. 
you're voice tracking these these pictures, right? The focus is the pictures in 20 seconds. So like like you did, you didn't have a lot of words, uh, which would be different from mine, um, and you were basically narrating a voice track there, you know. So that that was a really good way to describe it. This is this is a lot like PowerPoint karaoke, right? Or or rather, it's the inverse of PowerPoint karaoke, where PowerPoint karaoke is all about your voice track and the story and the pictures are an afterthought mm-hmm. with um, this Pecha Kama Kucha Pecha Kucha Pecha I want to yeah okay Pecha Kucha <laughs> with this the pictures are the forefront and the voice tracking is secondary that's a good that's a good observation I thought I hadn't made that connection before Yes, we did do a whole episode on Masonic Karaoke. You can search up karaoke on uh, on your podcasting app or, or in the YouTube. we got to do another one because Joe's here, so we have to... Do it again. We have to yeah. do that again. I keep saying that, and I keep forgetting it because, I, I mean, I loved that. That was that was a lot of fun. Put it on the Trello, man. Put it on the Trello. Throw it on the Trello board. All right. Uh, who's I next? I remember destroying, destroying Juan because I made every single one of his slides a meme. And that was... Just to go on a, on a tangent there, that was the beauty of it was killed him. Juan was a Toastmaster at the time and like very proud of it, and the spontaneity of the the, Maso- the Masonic PowerPoint Masonic Karaoke that totally threw him off, and um, I don't think he was ready for that. It, but it, in a good way, like it was it was good to see him get out of that comfort zone where he had practiced his his words for so long that. The, the pictures throw them way off. So, good stuff. Yeah, because if he, if you've never heard Juan give a lecture, oh. he's amazing. Yeah, practices hundreds of times before he gives it. Oh, so I, good. I, I locked him in for our feast of Saint Andrew. So, oh, flying good. him out in November to come do. He'd be our keynote at the uh, feast on November thirtieth. It's gonna be tight. All right, who's next? I'll go next. Okay then. Hey. And- yeah, I will. So for future people that go, like Robert, don't make the same mistake that Jason didn't know about that I noticed was as soon as we start the slides, the counter starts. So you have less than 20 seconds for that first run. So, yes. So we will start the sharing. I knew that, I but I took longer anyway. I was anyway. trying to help you out, man. I was trying to help you out. No, I just no, sucked. I love you. Um, window, boom. Okay. All right. So can you see it? Cool. In six minutes, we're going to talk about the ancient landmarks and why they're not so really ancient. So we're going to go over them really quick and then describe the truth behind them. So when this first slide comes up, I love it. I love the awkward pause to fill the 20 seconds. uh, There we go. Okay. All right. Are they really ancient? Uh, 1723 Grand Lodge Masonry begins. It's so awesome. Uh, there's really nothing mentioned about the landmarks. Then you have this dude named George Oliver. He mentions landmarks, but doesn't tell you what they are. Then we have Albert Mackey, 1858. He writes down his idea for landmarks. And then in 1911, Roscoe Pound. So let's break down what Mackeys are. One, the modes of recognition, the signs, the grips, the tokens, the grips of tokens, the passes, all that good stuff. Um, the way that you know you are a Mason, because they didn't have dues cards back then. So this is how you figured it out. So then we're going to go on to number two once it finally shows up on my damn screen. And it is three degrees in Freemasonry, not four degrees, not nine degrees, uh, not 32 degrees. Craft Masonry is composed of three degrees. But as we know, back in the early 18th century, there was only two degrees. Um, But that is one of the ancient landmarks that that lodges have to uh, adhere to um, in order to be recognized. The legend of the third degree. So for most people's uh, memories, that is the Hiramic legend. Um, Jason will tell you about other legends that existed um, that were the drama of the third degree. But for the most part, um, the Hiramic legend is pretty much a universal standard nowadays uh, when it comes to um, the third degree. You have to have a government of the fraternity by a grandmaster. Yay. Um, and then the next one, it is the grandmaster's prerogative huh. to preside over every assembly of the craft. No laughing. Um, so the grandmaster can walk into your lodge and he can preside, or he can walk into somebody else's lodge and he can preside. It is the prerogative of the grandmaster to preside. It's also his prerogative to issue dispensations. Uh, so if you have to change dates and times and things like that, hey, I have a question. 
Yeah. No, no questions allowed. Okay, good. So the, uh, he also has the prerogative to uh, to open and hold lodges at different times. So you got to get a dispensation. And then an awesome one to make a mason at sight. Eh. So some more landmarks. Masons must congregate in lodges, okay, or worked. be in lodges. All right. Um, a lodge has to have a master and two wardens, okay? It is a requirement across the board for everybody. Then they also have to, it's necessary that every lodge be tiled when it's congregated. You have to have a tiler. Another landmark is the right of every mason to be represented in all general meetings of the craft, okay? Uh, each jurisdiction takes that a little bit differently, right? Uh, where you actually have the power to vote or not. Um, the right of every mason to appeal his lodge's decision to the Grand Lodge. So if you make a boo-boo, you can go complain to the next people up. And I totally skipped that one. So 15, <laughs> that no visitor be allowed to sit in lodge without being examined and found to be a Freemason. Remember, this is before the era of dues cards. So you had to examine him. And then that no lodge business can inter that no lodge can interfere with the business of another lodge. A lodge is a self-contained entity that does its own business and you can't go interfere with it. Number 17, every Freemason be amenable to the laws of the jurisdiction in which he resides. Some jurisdictions have awesome laws. Some don't tell you what their laws are, but you have to uh, be amenable to them. And the candidates for Freemasonry must be a mature age, not a cripple and freeborn. Okay. Then we're going to go on to number 19. That every Mason must believe in the existence of God as the grand architect of the universe. Okay, that is the big one. That is a big one. I don't know why it's not number one, but it's number 19 according to Mackey. So every Mason must believe in the existence of deity. Okay, cannot be an atheist, but we know things change in certain parts of the world. Then we're going to move on to the next few. That every Mason must believe in a resurrection to a future life. So having an immortal soul. Um, that was a little bit different than how Freemasonry started in the early 18th century. But by the time we get to Mackey in the mid 1850s, um, he believes that it's a landmark to believe in the immortality of the soul, which if you've gone through the degrees, you, you understand that a little bit. That a book of the law of God must constitute an indispensable part of the furniture of the lodge. It doesn't say Holy Bible. It doesn't say King James Bible. It says a book of the law of God. Okay, so even Mackey was acknowledging that we are accepting of other faiths um, and that you have to have a book of the law of God must be a part of the furniture of every lodge. So you got to have that there in order to have lodge. That all men in the sight of God are equal and meet in the lodge on one common level. Some lodges have forgotten that, but um, an ancient landmark remains that all men meet on the level. So whether it's a bumper sticker now or people actually believe that, it is one of the ancient landmarks that we, that we agree to. And then, 23, Freemasonry is a secret society in possession of secrets that cannot be divulged. A um, little weird one, but there are secrets. Um, so I know a lot of us say we are not a secret society. We're a society with secrets. Uh, but again, this is how Mackie wrote his landmarks down that a lot of people ran to to understand a little bit better. Fake news. Freemasonry constitutes a speculative science founded on an operative art. So what he's saying here is that there was an operative art that heralded the rise of this speculative science that is now Freemasonry. So we are no longer builders of stone. We are builders of, of ourselves. Okay. And as it was based on a functional operative art and all our symbolism is indicative of that. So really quick what this one says uh, that these are the landmarks and they're called the, but they're part of the body of Masonry and it is not in the power of man or a body to make an innovation. So you cannot change any of these landmarks from the time that Mackey wrote them down, since they've existed between, you know, from time immemorial or 1858, whichever your preference is. Um, but then about 60 years later, we have Pound. Pound took Mackey's and said, this is crap. These are the seven that are important. Belief in a supreme deity, belief in immortality of the soul, a book of the sacred law, the legend of the third degree. You have to have secrecy, but they don't define it. The symbolism of operative masonry and that masons must be men, freeborn and of lawful age. So that's Pound, 1911. Finally, uh, the truth of the matter is most jurisdictions have never adopted Mackey's landmarks and made them sacrosanct, you know, uh, they reference them and things like that, but they don't show up in their laws or Ahiman Razones and things like that. And then finally, you have the Conference of Grandmasters of North America. They recognize three of them, belief in God, volume of sacred law, and no talking about politics or religion. And that is my TED Talk. Take, take a breath. Woo! Woo! I'm tired just listening to you. That was a lot. Uh, great job. Um, that was Genius. really cool. 
that was creative to take a list of things and just spread them out. Peanut butter, spread them across uh, 20 slides. Um, you did a great job covering that. And, and I, I interrupted you to prove a point. Uh, that was, uh, that was, that was me throwing you a curveball, which I knew you would handle very well. Um, because yeah. if you're doing Pecha the slides move by themselves. So you can't, you can't have that one guy in the audience that goes, Hey, can you go back and go to that slide? So- like, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, when I had a timer going to avoid running over, but as soon as you threw me that question, the whole timer thing, I was like, I was looking at it and I couldn't tell when the slide was going to change. I'm like, uh, I have no idea what's going on right now. So you did kind of throw yes. me off. So, so when you okay. do this in Lodge, say, hold your questions for the end. Hold your questions for the end. Yep. No, but great job. Uh, you, you definitely worked through the, some of the... You, you were ahead of the game on some of the transitions and behind the game. So um, again, it's it's hard to do, man. And I don't know how I'm gonna how I'm gonna do it. Uh, you did a great job. So uh, we'll save the best for last. So we'll go. We'll save Robert for last. I'm gonna go ahead. Oh, I, thought you were, I thought you were talking about yourself. I was like, <laughs> you always go last, John. I thought for sure. I'm being nice. I'm being nice. All right. For for once, I'll allow. All right, buddy. All right. So here's what we. <laughs> Uh, I'll go next, and and this is gonna be a brand new one I threw together as well. So I uh, don't know how this is gonna work out. It will. It's probably gonna uh, be very. Is it in Google Slides? No, because it doesn't advance uh, twenty seconds at a time. Only fifteen or thirty. Look at Joe died. Don't get too Ow. excited, Joe. Don't get too excited. He's got a broner. Shut up. <laughs> All right, here we go. Let's uh, share my screen, and we're going to talk about the... Joe has a broner. We're going to talk about the common gavel. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. So let me hit slideshow and go. All right, can you see that? Yep. Okay, then we're going to talk about the common gavel. My name is John Ruark. I'm a past master of the Patriot Lodge number 1957. And we're going to explore how the common gavel has been used symbolically throughout ritual, across different jurisdictions, and some of the other different ways that it is handled. So what you'll see here is we've seen it both in an operative and a speculative way. Here's a picture of an example of a, of a common gavel. And it is one of the working tools of an entered apprentice. Uh, we use it to break off the corners of the rough, rough ashore and fit it better for the builder's use. Um, and it's also called a high room because like that architect, it governs the craft and keeps us uh, sane. So Albert Mackey says in a manual of the lodge, and it, it is an instrument used by operative masons to break off the rough and superfluous parts of stone so better to fit them for the builder's use. But we as free and accepted masons are taught to make use of it for the more noble and glorious purposes of divesting our minds and consciousness of all the vices and superfluities of life, thereby fitting ourselves as living stones for that spiritual building that house not made with ham. But pop quiz, find the common gavel. There's a couple of different ones shown here. So the question becomes, which is the right one? I know, I know. Well, questions are going to be saved to the end, Jason. So let's explore the first one. I don't this have a question. is the common gavel. Why didn't I mute you ahead of time? So the common gavel, you see it's got a little pointy thing on one end. Um, it does have a handle, a little bit more of a square body with a point at the end. And the reason it's called that um, is it's the common gavel as opposed to something else, which we'll talk about. It's used by the master of the lodge. It bars its name from its shape, being that of the gable or gable at the end of a house. And this word again comes from the German gipfel, a summit, a top, a peak, or the idea of a pointed extremity being common to all. It's the stonemason's hammer. It's to be made with a cutting edge as in engraving. Unlike the judge's gavel, which you may see a very common in your um, Masonic lodges. You, you'll see a lot of masters have something that's rounded on both ends. And so what we want to be careful of is to not confuse the judge's gavel from the common gavel where it has the point on one end. The judge's gavel is actually used to bring order in a courtroom used with authority by the judge. It's lightweight, it has rounded edges on both sides, and um, often used by auctioneers and presiding judges, but are inappropriate for use in a Masonic Lodge if you're holding to the actual 
reason why we do this. Because the picture I showed you earlier was not a common gavel, it was a setting mall. Um, this one is actually from the Lodge of Antiquity number two from the United Grail Lodge of England. Once belonged to Sir Christopher Wren, and actually that's what is on that, that uh, nameplate there. And so uh, this was actually used to set a couple of different things that my text just moved past me. Um, but it's a wooden hammer um, used to set by operative masons to set the stones in their proper positions. Uh, we use this in the third degree to remind us of the death of the builder of the temple. And so the setting mall is more used in a, um, a, a more violent sense. Unlike the mallet, which as you can see is much smaller. It's made of wood. It's very more, much more handheld and not made of stone. So the mallet is used for more precise type of um, you know, type of craftsmanship. It is one of the working tools of a mark master, and it has the same emblematic meaning as the common gavel in the entered apprentice degree. But it does teach us to correct the irregularities of temper and like enlightened reason to curb the aspirations of unbridled ambition to depress the malignity of envy and to moderate something that just moved on. So which one do we, do we choose for? We, which one is right? Do we use the the gavel, the comma gavel, judge's gavel, setting mall, chisel, something else. That's the hard part because we've in my research for this. It depends on your jurisdiction that we have some context in which we use those things. And that's what the answer is. The answer is it depends on the purpose. Are we looking at it from a ritualistic perspective? Are we looking at it from a symbolism perspective? Are we trying to apply the philosophy to our own daily lives, which is what the whole point of Freemasonry is, or even just operatively using it in lodge? Because that's what the master has to use to gavel people down. Ritualistically, Obviously, make sure that you know you're using the right terms uh, in the right context as the words are prescribed by your Grand Lodge. So that's the most important thing um, to know what the difference is between the common gavel as it's used uh, in the presentation and the setting mall and all these other tools. Symbolically, take the words that are there and think about how we can divest our minds and our consciousness of all the vices and superfluities of life thereby fitting ourselves as living stones for that spiritual building, that house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. We have to think about, you know, how do we apply it in a non-operative sense? And of course, I like to think of it from a philosophic perspective. Now, what am I doing in my daily life? How am I building up virtues such that I'm applying this common gavel to break off the bad things in my life so that I can... Um, get rid of the things that I don't need. Now, running your lodge as master is very important. That's a super awesome Thor-like um, gavel, but it is, as a, as a master, it's the additional insignia of your rank and authority. You have to wield it with prudence and discretion, firmly but never arbitrarily, to end that good order and harmony may be preserved. That's the goal. So in conclusion, the whole point of this is to know how to yield it. The, the ability to swing a hammer is most important. Just like um, if you are a soldier, being peaceful means you can be war, you know, vengeful at times as well. So we have to know how to yield it physically, metaphorically, and spiritually. So I'll now open my slides up for any presentations. Most of my sources came from Mac Encyclopedia, but there's a couple other links there as well that talk about the differences between the mallet, the gavel, and uh, the judge's gavel, the common gavel, and so on and so forth. So this is where I'll stop my presentation and I'll and open it up for any questions on the floor. Boom, got it done. Boom. Yay, that was great. I really enjoyed, I, I enjoyed this so much. Like I, I thought, man, it would be so cool. Like, you know, before a meeting, if you're the master, you walk into like, let's say a, a prep room for an officers that, you know, they go in there to get their mind straight. And just like you would do, like maybe in the movies, um, the Kingsman, you go to the back room and you look at the different gavels, like laid down in plush purple velvet, right? Like tonight's a degree. Manners. We're picking this one. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. I love it. Like, oh, tonight's the business meeting. So you grab the gavel that's like from for business, right? It's just, just cool. Like I, I just. Shut up, totally gavel. cool idea. The shut up gavel. The, sh yeah. the shut up gavel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so lesson learned. 
I had way too much text from Mackie in my notes because uh, I was halfway through reading it and it moved on to the next slide. So, Spoiler um, alert, Mackie is a chatty Cathy, okay? <laughs> he really is. Uh, <laughs> if it takes three words to say something, he's going to use 49. Holy so. smokes, 20 seconds goes fast. Yeah, Pike does the same yeah, thing except for he adds on top of the 40 seconds another 30 seconds from Elephus Levi. Ha! That's so and true. all adjectives. It's so true. <laughs> commas galore. Commas. Commas everywhere. And plagiarism. Yes. Plagiarism it's like everywhere. like the William Shatner of the 1800s. Oof, I love Bill. Come on. Nice. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I move that that be stricken from the record. William Shatner nice. is dope. Ooh. Second. So, um... I was yeah. talking about his way. Okay, I mean, it's fair. Where's my shut up gavel? Where's the shut up gavel? Sabotage, sabotage. So yeah, that was tough. That was that was hard to do, I have to say. Um, but that six minutes and 40 seconds just flew by. Happened. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have, so... <laughs> no, we're we we're going to... We're gonna trim all this to our TikTok channel. Just do just these individual presentations. Yeah, it's good. All right, speaking of, spool up. Let me spool up the next the last one, one in the right. night. Remember, yeah, so I don't. Are you ready, Robert? Yeah, I'm ready. Don't I haven't practiced up. this. I haven't practiced. Neither did I. Uh, and I don't. And I don't have anything like running at the same time. So I kind of, I kind of remember the slides, but I'll know it when I see them. And Joe, so you're gonna auto advance every twenty seconds, right? It's already timer. set to auto advance. So, oh, sweet. so remember that first slide. Okay. I'll tell you when I hit go, and uh, I'm going to start it now. Then I'm going to share. Wait for it. Stand by. Uh, Wait okay, for you it. Okay, are. Go. Wait for All right. it. So, good evening. My name is Robert Johnson. I'm going to uh, give you a cool little esoteric presentation that is fit for the public called an allusion to the meaning of 15 fellow crafts and other usages. Uh, this came about because hey, we wanted to learn about esoteric stuff, and maybe we didn't exactly have uh, the time to cover it. So first of all, taken from the Bible, nothing secret here, the uh, description of Solomon's temple says it, it has a staircase in the front consisting of three, five, and seven steps. When added together as individual integers equals 15. That's pretty crazy. So that's the first part of it, 15. That's the number we're going to stick with. Continuing on in this uh, description of the temple, it talks about the two pillars on either side of that staircase. 35 cubits in height, 12 in circumference, 4 in diameter. Broken apart again, 35124 equals 15 again. So this starts to get really crazy. You're starting to think that, hey, Robert Johnson is like that goofball uh, uh, Jeff Goldblum in the... Uh, the alien movie, right? Uh, Independence Day. So there are 15 conspirators. Our master masons know what that means. Maybe other people do if you read ahead. I don't know. Don't do it. But yeah, 15 conspirators. So now we've got this repeated thing of 15. Solomon's temple employed 153,303 workmen, according to the, king, the, uh, the uh, ritual that we use here in Illinois in an open lecture. So, uh, so what? 153,303? What's the big deal? Well, you guessed it. If we take that number once more, and uh, let's see if this advances. Okay, 153303 equals 15 again. So you're really thinking I'm a goofball. I'm pulling the red thread. I'm like uh, Charlie from Always Sunny trying to figure out who Pepe Silva is. But that's not the case. Uh, so let's see. We're going to get ahead of the game maybe. Okay, so this is not secret because it's a really old ritual that existed in 1884, the 15th degree, that talks about the uh, captives uh, in Egypt. It says there were 42,360 captives. This is just yet another ritualistic uh, uh, way that 4236 and 0 can be 15. Again, am I reaching? What's with the 15? These are big questions. Uh, of course, this is fun and educational. Maybe we don't know what 15 is, or maybe we do. So we'll take a little bit more of a deep dive into this as we move forward. Okay, so this is a composite number 15, and it's the sixth semi-prime number. Uh, so uh, divisors being one, three, and five, that's what they call a deficient number, a smooth number, a lucky number. Um, 
they call it a bell number, which is like the number of uh, partitions for a set of size four. Uh, you get the magic square deals with 15 in what we call recreational mathematics, as where we have a square of an array of numbers, usually positive integers, that where every single row and diagonal lead up to 15. You can play this with negative integers as well, but positive numbers are the way they're typically used. Uh, moving on to the periodic table of elements, you've got one element that has 15 twice. That's going to be phosphorus. So that's a mineral a mineral that naturally occurs in many foods and is also available as a supplement. Uh, its atomic number is 15, but it also occurs in the 15th group of the periodic table of elements. What about the tarot? So the tarot, we have 15 is the devil card. This represents kind of like your shadow or your darker side, the negative forces that constrain you or hold you back from doing the best things that you can do, like at work perhaps. And so uh, this might be uh, dependencies, chemical dependencies, too much coffee, those kinds of things. So back to the number 15 and kind of an esoteric spin as we let in with tarot, some points to consider is that 15 is equal to 10 and 5 in gematria, where 10 is H and 5 is V, so it's going to be yod Hey. 15 represents the gematria for the word Hod, meaning glory, splendor, majesty, beauty, grandeur, magnificence, and majestic splendor. 15 always represents an elevation from fear, uh, spiritual to, I'm sorry, from material to spiritual, and we're talking about an apotheosis of sorts. And my source on this is Gematria uh, from Rabbi Hillel ben David, who's better known as uh, Greg Killian, uh, who is taught by Hakshim Dr. Yosef ben Haggai. Uh, now, when we move over to Mackey, uh, Mackey talks about a sacred number of 15, and he says 15 is, uh, in this way, would never be referenced as 10 and 5, right? So instead, we actually use something different. We call it Tet Bav, so nine and six or something like that. Otherwise, we're going to say Yud Hey, which is part of God, and we don't want to do that. So the number 15 here is used to reaffirm exactly what we're doing. Uh, it is a repeated method of alluding to our transformation from material to spiritual. Because it happens time and time again, it is not going to be an accident or a coincidence, and it could be an allusion to this idea of apotheosis or ascension. Now, going into this idea of apotheosis, apotheosis and ascension, people like to say, well, that's what the uh, the apron of the Masonic Lodge represents, the square of material over the uh, triune nature of spirit and spirit over material. Well, we know this is just baloney because, right, the this is just a byproduct of machine manufacturing. But what about the new age, this kind of new age of apotheosis? Well, the new age, according to Wikipedia, right, is this range of spiritual or religious practices and uh, beliefs that rapidly grew in Western society. But what's interesting is all the occult systems have at least some ties to the modern, uh, the new age, including Freemasonry. But going back to apotheosis as a word, here's the thing, this is a really old concept made popular by Dan Brown in his uh, uh, The Lost Symbol book and the Apotheosis of Washington. This goes all the way back to Egypt and Greece and even the uh, North American continent pre-Clovis people. And speaking of George Washington, he loved hoe cakes. This is the same thing as pancakes, but with cornmeal instead of flour, cornmeal cakes initially cooked on a blade of a garden hoe over an open fire. Years after Washington's death, Nellie Custis, who wrote a book, who, who uh, penned all this stuff down, it was uh, changed. Uh, anyway, basically, she wrote the recipe down. That's it. I hope you liked it. I didn't have a 20th slide, so I just threw some BS in there a about 20th Washington's slide. hoe cakes. Yeah. Hoe cakes. That's the beauty. Hoe cakes. Come on, man. Okay, that's a real thing. Look it up. The, the complete thing I'm not is, going to. Says, you should have had a hoe cake. It's not on a candle. work computer. Make it by candlelight and let it remain by a warm hearth until the next morning. Describing the baking Why? method, she wrote, drop batter, spoonful at a time on a hoe, when done, one side over, and use gristle fat to, to butter it up. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Why, Washington Why do me. I need to do any of this? I don't care what Washington liked. Okay. So, well, he was a Mason, though. Really? This really? Is the, this is this is the thing. This is what brings Masonry and Washington and pancakes together. Okay. Oh my God. There's a presentation God. right there. Uh, good job. You know, I have to say, this is other Not than everybody. other than when I set my podcast app to two X. This is the fastest <laughs> I've heard Robert speak. This really is. Oh, it was blazing. I talk fast anyway. I'm always 
I, I had to have I had some rum before this to slow me down. Holy smokes! You. Yeah, after like you your five Nespresso's, it sounds like <laughs> just two, just two. Uh, wow, that was awesome! Thank you, thank you, Robert. Yeah. Well, like it goes to show that you can like pack a Nike's load of information into a thing, and and on the flip side of this is like if you're like me and you talk Thanks, fast, Tommy anyway, boy. This is this is a this is like. Uh, a, a train wreck. You don't want to do this. You don't want. <laughs> don't do. Break that. it down, because what's going to happen is you're going to have dudes looking at you like, huh, and it's terrible. So, yeah. Unless Sun Card said I did a good job, but he's like already an adept. So, yeah, like Sun everything Card. I just said, he's Sun like Card's that's man. old news. Especially the the yep. traveling man, you rock for um, sending us a little super chat from Beacon Lodge, oh, thanks, man. number seventy six, most worshipful Prince Hall Grand Lodge of New York. Okay, so final question for tonight. Jason, starting with you. Uh, Lessons learned. What did you think went well? What could we do better? If you were doing this for your lodge, how would you, given given gone through it, rushing to put slam this together, what would you recommend someone to do differently, do more of, do less of, or anything else? Any other advice you'd like to share? Practice at least once, if not twice, just to get the timing. Good recommendation. Easy to do. Yeah. Just hit play on your computer and let it roll. Yep. Awesome. Thank you, Jason. Over to Joe. Lessons learned. Yeah. Uh, lessons learned. Don't put Mackie's words on a slide ha! and try to get through the 20 seconds because um, it's a lot uh, and then just a, and then always worry about slide one right slide one is, is a lost slide right so talk quick do your introductions and stuff maybe before you actually start your presentation because um, that's a wasted slide right there and then uh, just like Jason said practice it and get your timings right because I did not so I was I was screaming as fast as I could through it you know, I was going to say, I thought slide one and slide 20 would be filler slides. And holy smokes, like, there's there's more than enough to talk about. So don't yep. worry about having filler slides. Thank you, Joe. Over to you, Robert. Lessons learned. Lessons learned. So, again, as you guys have all pointed out, right? Like, I took this on as like, can I even do this? Because that's part of a larger presentation I had to do that's actually like over an hour long. Um, so... <laughs> So to that end, right, definitely practice this stuff, whittle it down to the best, most interesting points possible. Because here's the thing is, if you're going to be interesting and you're going to captivate somebody, they're going to come up to you afterwards and you guys are going to have an awesome conversation. Um, you don't necessarily need to, you know, spray water in the wall and, and you know, throw everything and see what sticks, right? Be selective about the types of information I think that you give. Um, I think Joe definitely did a great job with that. I think uh, Jason, I love that you told a story uh, because it makes it not just easy. True. Right? It makes it from the heart too. And that's what I learned from Chad. When Chad talked about this stuff, it was so great. Like you got you weren't watching a Masonic presentation, even though you were getting Masonic education. And he was just telling a cool story, but you learned some masonry, which was really awesome along the way. And then something that you did that I thought was really cool was you took something that nobody thinks about. I had never even thought about the differences in gavels. I was like, who cares? Just grab a hammer, go. But like it made a difference. And now we know. And you, yeah, and you totally brought it. You could use that. That's the name of this next presentation. I want to update your Masonic like construction it. with it's hammer time, 20 minutes. Love it. Yeah, you guys rocked it, man. Yeah, very, very cool. Um, good, good advice. Good advice. All right. And uh, over to me. Yeah. Uh, basically, less is more, right? Um, you think you're going to have a lot of trouble filling up 20 slides and, and building the slides. I was like, what am I going to talk about? Because I kind of got through two-thirds of it and then had a whole bunch of blank slides at the end and I'm like what am I going to talk about um, but it goes fast so think about whatever you want to talk about cut it in half and that's all you're going to get to cover so throw up lots of pictures keep it you know keep it uh, eye candy don't worry about putting text on the slides because no one's going to read it in 20 seconds that's that's the big takeaway for me is like just put pictures up give them something to look at while you're talking 
because it's going to go fast and you're going to have a good time and you're going to learn a lot. So um, there you go. Easy peasy. Something that anybody can do to put together a last minute um, Masonic education. And, and again, I got to give props to the whole crew here because I know that probably most of them threw this together this afternoon right before this. So um, evening. Yeah, that's that's the, that's the beauty of this. It was like six. I was like, my wife's like, we gotta go to the grocery store. I'm like, in a minute. <laughs> Brb. And it's it's yeah. it's like a fifty hour work week for me this week. It's insane. Oh, yeah, you did great, <laughs> Jason. So yeah, and that's the thing is, go with what you know, speak from the heart. Like you've you've got a lot of great tips and pointers from these guys. So. Um, this has been fantastic. I'm really, I, I want to thank the rest of the hosts from the Sonic Roundtable for going on this journey with me because it was, it was an experiment. You guys knocked it out of the park. You guys rock. So do you, the listeners. I want to thank you all very much for watching and keep searching for more light. Have a good night. Wow.